This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back right now. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies to Kirk Street and Adam Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone where chocolate is made. That means it's time for the W debate, brought to you by CampusCan.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a 246th-ranked version of tonight's show, we take an early look at the Big Ten. Our expectations too high for Rakeem Jarrett, and a special guest joins the Debbie debate to give us a rankings boost. But we start with Austin uh the Bidwell family not paying the Arizona Cardinals uh, coaching staff because of the late collapse and they have not paid them their playoff bonuses. And I mean, that is a team that started off very hot seven and no, they ended up losing down the stretch, including to my Detroit lions. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Arizona's situation? This collapse at the end of the season and the Bidwell's not paying Cliff Kingsbury and company. Supposedly, Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. So, shout out to Luke Probasco, who I already see here in the chat here today. Longtime listener uh, and not first-time caller. Uh, Felix, I actually want to toss this back to you, though, because Luke proposed the question this way to me when he sent me this story earlier today. He said, quote, I know Felix is all about players getting the bag, but what about the coaches? They give up their lives for months and something interesting to watch. I didn't realize a coach could make more money in playoff bonuses than their contract, which is kind of the issue for some of these guys who were probably relying uh, on that money, much like Clark Griswold was relying on the money at the end of uh, uh, Christmas vacation. So maybe we get a Christmas vacation situation, but I want to toss it back to you and hear your thoughts on this. 
Well, sure. I mean, I don't have a problem talking on this uh, here program. Um, no, no I, I this is like a straightforward, non-emotional thing. These are generally contractually obligated. And I mean, not paying for work is like a straightforward. I mean, it's probably a violation of laws in Arizona, even though Arizona is a fairly uh, uh, conservative state. But uh, anyway, um, I mean, you, you you get sued and it's like an open and shut case. So I don't I don't know that. I don't know how much I need to spend. Yes, the coaches should get the bag, but they've already they already have the strength in the um in the uh uh I don't know the position of power to demand this money because it's contractually obligated. My player empowerment stance was all about uh was before NIL when college students didn't have the same uh power to demand money from these institutions that were that 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 they were making so much money for so i mean yeah i mean as a matter of fact there was a report that uh the arizona cardinals denied uh this report and that they were issued that the cardinals were issuing the checks so i don't know if this might be a non-story i think the bigger story might be what kyler murray looked like at the end at the end of the season specifically in that game um, not really getting harassed and looked like he was out of his sorts at the end of the season in the playoff game. Um, but as far as whether or not coaches should get the bag, we don't even have to answer that question because contractually, like if they, they, they get it. So. Yeah, that's, this is like the Bidwell's that's being the end so of the show. petty. They're being so petty. They're like, well, they're probably waiting to pay him on the last day that, like, the contract states is really what's probably going on here. That's the stupidest stuff. Like, you can complain all you want about, like, what how the team fell apart at the end. Kyler was injured for a bunch of games. DeAndre Hopkins never came back. Like, just come on. Like, this is stupid. This Austin, is stupid. you told me to put this on the show sheet, and mm-hmm. you threw it back to me. Yeah. That was the plan all along. Sucker I, played right into my hands. I, I knew no you'd lead with this. I knew you'd I, lead with this. I had no interest in talking about this. I mean, this well, is fun. Fun. All right. Let's move on to uh, – let's move on. This is a college football show. Let's move on to talking about some college football. Austin, you had mentioned uh, what year one zeros was, and at least on Twitter and probably on this show or on the Campus Life podcast. And you have reached your conclusion as to who the year one zeros are that you are not touching. First of all, for the audience who has not heard, what is a year one zero? And then who are the players that fall into that specific category for you this year? Yeah. So it's a really simple hypothesis where, you know, in, the, in recent years, we've had some big name recruits come in. Everyone's really excited for them. And then they, literally do nothing in their first year on a college campus. They don't catch any passes. Um, you know, they don't score at all. They, they, they're not even really getting snaps. And then people are buying those players again the second year thinking, thinking, well, this is the year that they break out. So I went to look and see, you know, is this a sound strategy? I set markers really, really, really low for this. So to be a, a year one zero at the wide receiver position, you have to catch fewer than five passes have under 100 yards receiving, or not score a single touchdown. There, It's a extremely, extremely low bar because I wanted to make sure that I was really capturing guys that were doing nothing. And this does not include players that missed the entire freshman season due to injury. So that does excuse one or two guys uh, that would have been on the list otherwise this year. The list is bad. 
It's really, really bad. Guys that come in and don't do anything in year one anymore. This isn't the 70s. Guys don't sit for a year or two and then come in. That, that, that's not the natural flow of things, especially these top, top guys. They're expected to come in and play right away. I, I've just the, the last seven years, I think there's like three or four players that have actually come back and bounced back at all. I mean, it, it, it's really, really bad. You've got your, your Julian Flemings, your DeMond DeMosses. These are guys that are not going to return value. Uh, or at least not the value that you think they will. Um, I, I looked at the top 20 players in each class because obviously, you know, if a guy's like the 90th ranked receiver, maybe he does come in and sit for a year because he just needs to develop a little bit. This year, four zeros at the end of everything. Jaden Ballard at Ohio State, crowded wide receiver room. I mean, he might not be that good anyway. It's Mookie Cooper all over again. Who knows? Deion Colsey at Notre Dame. I think that's a really alarming one. I think if you had any hopes for Colsey, they're probably gone. Cody Jackson. Uh, at Oklahoma, and then the big, big name, the only big name on here is Ajayi Hall, wide receiver at Alabama. Every other wide receiver there at Bama in this class hit this hit one or two or three thresholds, except for Ajayi Hall. So I the 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 moral of the story is for this year, like just like I was out on Demond Demas last year, like I was out on Julian Fleming, I am out on Ajayi Hall. I mean, there there might even be more reason to be out on Guy Hall, um, given that Jermaine Burton is transferred there, and it seems like a certainty that they're bringing in Jermaine Burton to bring the same element that Jamison Williams brought in uh, last year. We will we'll, we'll come back to that because I want to get someone else's opinion on that. And ladies and gentlemen, I mean, let's give a round of applause for Mister John Lyon. <laughs> Don't don't act so excited over there, guys. Come on. John. Hey, thank you for having me on, my friends. I love it. John, I mean, I think that your name and resume speaks for itself. I mean, I'd introduce you, but I feel like we've had you. I know that we haven't had you on the Debbie Debate, but we've had you on um, uh, the tailgate, the late night show. And yeah. uh, people know who John Lobb's it, John Lobb is. Wow. Uh, fan tracks. I mean, you're reading him to get uh, the, to pick up the 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 your the free agents in your C2C league. So um, John has been doing this work, and he's a veteran in this game. John, before we get into the substance of tonight's show, um, I mean, I think you're known for being just enthusiastic about the game. <laughs> where does that where does that enthusiasm come from? You know, Felix, I've been asked that a lot. And honestly, I don't really know per se. I just, I love football. I love teaching. I love my family. And when I'm excited about something, I don't know. It's like this energy just overcomes me. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it because I guess I'm used to it. But people point it out to me all the time. So I have become more aware that I must be a different the perception out there is different than how I perceive myself because this is just me, but people like it when I'm on the shows or I'm talking. It's really just, I love this game of football. You know, I mean, it's just such, I don't know, you know, it's been since I was 11 or 12 years of age. So when I get to talk about football, there's not very many things that are better than talking about football, you know? So I just, I let my natural personality come out. And I got to say one thing. Austin's wide receiver zero theory is one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time that's original. Because, I I mean, I don't blow smoke. When I see something good, I compliment it. But I think he's really nailed something here. When If you go on a college campus nowadays, 
freshmen should perform at a bare minimum level, right? I mean, Austin gave us the numbers he's looking at, five receptions. I mean, right? You should be able to have five receptions in the modern game when you go to a school like Alabama as a four or five star recruit because they have some garbage time in the fourth quarter. You know, you would think you would get some. So I think this is one of the most interesting ideas. And and I'll tell you right now, I'm not taking one of those four players that Austin has written about in his recent tweet. I mean, they're done. They're out. I'm gone. I, I The stats, Austin's talked about it. If you follow him on Twitter, the numbers are overwhelming that you got to get off these guys. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I do want to get into, obviously, a Jai Hall. But, John, I mean – Talk to us about how long, first of all, your enthusiasm is appreciated because, I mean, we can't, the, the three of us can't even keep Matt Bruning awake during the show. I mean, we, we barely, he struggles. We can't even keep him awake. So it, it's definitely appreciated. But, John, talk to us about how long you've been paying attention to the college fantasy football game and how you've seen it change from when you started to where it is now. So I believe I started 13 years ago. It might. So this should be the 14th year that I played. I started, there was only one site at the time, CBS Sportsline. I don't know if any of you were playing back 13 years ago, but CBS Sports was the only one with college football on it at the time. And it was totally by accident. I was, you know how you used to go on the old ESPN, CBS. They were basically the main two. And I saw a banner, like college fantasy football one day. And I was with my former um, ex-girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I'm like, what is this? She's like, what are you talking about? She already thought I had enough NFL fantasy, right? I'm like, there's there's college fantasy football. And she was literally like, you are kidding me. I'm like, no. So I signed up. You know, I'm behind. I didn't tell her at the time. You know, don't worry, I won't play. You know, I'm doing it all under secret. Signed up for two more to two college fantasy football leagues. I won both. Um, and it was such a rush because it made me learn Louisiana Tech. It made me learn Bowling Green. It made me really care about Texas Tech. And, of course, it, Texas Tech is in the Big 12. But, you know, you're living in Connecticut. Am I really that concerned unless Texas Tech is a top three program? They actually ended up being really good that one year with Michael Crabtree. Right, you remember him? He was a college fantasy stud. Michael Crabtree was one of the great. Talk about freshman breakout. I mean, if someone did what Crabtree did now, he'd be like all over the internet. He was just phenomenal. But the hardest thing that I remember, there was no information, like zero. You, I, you had to go digging through like stats on seven different pages. You had to go deep. Rankings, I don't think there were rankings. I think, you know, CBS and all those big sites just, you know, pre-rank either on statistics or, or and they do some early projections. So, you know, guys would be all over the place. So there was a, such a clear advantage if you kind of just were paying attention at the time. Then there was a, a website called College Fantasy Football Nerd. They were one of, he, um, I, I think it was Todd DeVries. And he had, he had done a website for a while, and they had player rankings. And then I just reached out to fan tracks about, oh, I'm trying to think now, seven years ago. I said, hey, do you guys want anyone to do anything for college fantasy football? And they said, yeah, what do you got? I sent them some examples. They um, said, we'd love you to work with us. So I worked with them. Oh, 
I should backtrack a little bit. I came upon fan tracks because I, you guys probably remember this. College sports had basically bullied the fantasy sports industry and specifically ESPN to get, and there was a, a Supreme Court case or a, or a federal court case. And basically before NIL and before all this stuff, the NCA basically told ESPN closed doors. If you do anything with college fantasy football, you're not going to have our shows. You're not going to have our games. Now, how serious they were, we don't know, right? But they bullied them. What happened is every major site in the United States got out of college fantasy football. They ESPN closed. They used to have a salary cap game. I don't know if you guys had ever played it, or you could just take players and you would have like a you know a fifty thousand dollar salary cap, and Melvin Gordon would be like twelve million, and it was just for fun. And I used to love that because you just wanted to see how you did every week. ESPN closed that up. CBS Sportsline shut that down. So all of a sudden, I'm in the middle. I'm like, no, no one's having a college fantasy football. I was like, seriously, devastated. That's how I came across Fantrax. Why does Fantrax have it? They're a Canadian company. There's no federal jurisdiction. There's no like contractual obligation. No one, the NCAA can't tell Fantrax, shut that down. So for the longest, I mean, we you've all played, right? Fantrax is basically the only option for what? The last six or seven years now. I'm still stunned with the new NIL. And if you read Neil Gorsuch's Supreme Court case, which I've read three times, if you walk into any courtroom and you open up a college fantasy football platform right now, you just go in front of a judge with Neil Gorsuch's decision, judge is going to throw it out of the case. Because Gorsuch just basically told the NCA, you have no right to do any of this, right? It's, it, it's a free market. You don't have jurisdiction. You can't bully anyone into doing this. Then we have NIL. So I'm surprised no one still jumped in at this time. Now, look, I don't have the marketing numbers. There are people out there who must know how many hits college fantasy football is getting on ESPN, how many hits college fantasy news is, or just college football is. It's a numbers game, right? There's marketers looking at this. How many people can we sign up? How many people can we pay get to pay for this? It seems like it's a no-brainer, right? In my opinion, that there's it, it's better with competition. There's clearly a demand for this. If you've been following this industry, there's it's clearly on the rise. And I really thought before the pandemic, I thought college fantasy football was going to jump off. And the, pan- the pandemic happened. We had what, all those jagged starting kickoff dates for all the conferences. I mean, 2020 was so hard to run a fantasy football team, to give information, who was playing. I did it. I survived it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. This year, I mean, without mentioning names, I've talked to some people in the industry. Everyone I've talked to is behind closed doors. Everyone's hits more than doubled from 2019. The people that I'm talking to are very satisfied with the uptick on their platforms for college fantasy football. So there is something happening out here. If you follow on Twitter, we all know, right, sleepers, sleepers. 
they, they, they followed me. I mean, you, you know, I have a pretty good idea why Sleeper probably followed me. It's, you know, it's not from my NFL expertise. It's probably for college. They've hinted at it, right? We've all seen the tweets. So I do think it's about ready to make a jump. We just, you know, we need one big platform. You know, just one company to say, let's jump into this and then let's put a little promotion behind it. Let's go, Sleeper. Let's go. Get it together. Forty million. Get it together, Sleeper. Uh, John, not only we, I don't think we talked about Judge Gorch's uh, opinion. I don't know what you're talking about, but we did talk oh, about. Oh, you know, he writes the opinion. It's very interesting. I love. Well, we did. We talked about Justice Kavanaugh's concurrence in that in that case oh, okay. handed down uh, earlier this year about. Um, the NCAA treating student athletes like employees and essentially controlling the market. So, yeah, that, um, I mean, yes, that's their whole. Both of them had the same idea. Yeah, the Supreme Court is definitely moving towards more freedom and market fle- flexibility with with college athletes, and we we're seeing the NCAA video game uh, coming c- coming out. So, all right, yeah. let's move on here to Jermaine Burton to Alabama. Um, I mean, there are so many different angles that we could go with this one, John. Matt, you have not, and Chris, you guys have not spoken yet. So let's get you all in here. Chris Moxley, what does this mean? You get the fastest man at the opening in 2019 coming out of uh, college of that 2020 class. Four, four, verified 4-4-3, four, 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 somewhere, somewhere in the 4-4s. Four, was a big play threat, injured this year. Now he's headed to Alabama, and he brings – that team the outside speed that it did not have how can you not like this for burton like there's no downside here especially if you have him in your on your c2c roster right like you got to be doing cartwheels because he was not doing anything at georgia with stetson bennett and i you know i early we a couple episodes ago i talked about how i was kind of out on him um but i've like done a 180 i if you're in alabama for a year and you're the wide receiver one um, like it, it doesn't even matter at this point. They think Jameson Williams who couldn't even get on the field at Ohio state and they're going to get him to the first round. So I'm more interested to see how it affects uh, wide receivers downstream. So like, I think Brooks is the guy uh, beside him. And I think Earl gets some playing time, but like, I have no idea what happens to a Jai hall because a, a Jai five high schools in four years hall has a lot of off the field, questions and i'm i don't want to speculate um recklessly but they're fairly well documented so you can hit up the google machine yeah i think it's it's a great move for him we saw exactly what happened with jameson williams as moxley mentioned i mean last year uh i'm stealing this from from good friend of the show kevin coleman he tweeted this out about like 40 minutes ago and i know kevin coleman he talked a little bit about it on the on why did burton go to Alabama, he had 30 targets last year, which was tied for fourth on the team, and he had an A dot of 14.3. I mean, that was with no offense to his biggest hype man uh, in the bottom corner there, Chris Moxley, but that was with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Like, getting Bryce Young there, I think he's going to be even better. He's likely going to be the number one in that offense. I'm not as worried about the guys downstream. Like, I, I legitimately think they lean on him a lot like they did Jameson Williams when it comes down to, down the stretch next year, so his, his stock is going to shoot way up through the roof. It's a great move for him. 
Which is weird too, uh, other, going from a team that won a national championship to a team they beat <laughs> in the national championship. I mean, the grass might actually be greener. And other than Isaiah Bond, who's coming in as a freshman, they don't have that field stretcher that they've had in Jalen Waddle and and Jamison Williams and Devonta Smith. They don't have somebody that that can do that. John, how are you ranking these four guys? Jermaine Burton, Jacory Brooks, JoJo Earl, a guy Hall. I'm assuming. Well. I think it's hard to rank who we would have first, and it's easy to rank who we would have last. So how would you rank those guys? Oh, I actually thought (laughs) Burton to me is number one. It's not even close. And I'm going to go with my man Austin. Hall is dead last. Like, I'm gone. So he's at the very bottom. I would say between Brooks and Earl right now, I'm going to be honest, I need to see spring practice, spring film, and need to hear reports coming out. I mean, I can't tell you the little bit I've seen of the two of them, which one would be better. It just wouldn't be fair to our viewers because I don't know which one at this point, based on what I've seen, which one I would target. I'll tell you the truth. From a fantasy standpoint, I'd probably target whichever one is less costly in a draft. You know, if Earl falls to me in round 14 and he's the last of the three, then I'll go with Earl. You know, and hope the dice rolls your way because I think Brooks and Earl are pretty close. So give me the last one up there. I kind of do this. I, I think um, uh, Matt said the same thing about like double wide receivers in the NFL. And I've done this for a long time. If you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, I'm taking whichever one's least expensive in a fantasy draft. You know, and, and I'll do the same thing with these two. I mean, Burton's probably, I would say, in 98% of the drafts right now are going to go first. Right. So then I'll take whichever of the two comes at a, a better price and see what happens, see how it falls my way. Does anyone yeah, no. does anyone else not think that Jacor like I don't think Jacory Brooks can play the exact role that John Mechie's played the last couple of years though? I don't, I don't think he's I, as good of a route runner, not no. at all. So no. I'm curious to see what that what impact you know he has because I Unless they, I mean, Nick Saban's pretty flexible and they always have a different offensive coordinator in there anyway. But yeah, I just like, I don't know. Like, everyone's just assuming that Brooks is just the two guy there. And I'm like, well, they're not like traditionally, that's not recently what they've had as the number two guy there. Let me, can I throw something out? Do you yeah. think they're done in the transfer portal? They can probably find not. It's Alabama. It's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know what else is out there, but at the same time, the portal's open for so long that. You know, somebody could say tomorrow I'm in and that's that. So, well, I mean, imagine what, what John just mentioned earlier with spring practices and everything. What happens when that transfer portal opens back up here after we see all these camp battles go and somebody loses a job they don't expect to lose and then jump right back in. We could see a big name go in and then Alabama's like, Hey, we got a spot right next to Bert to open up, and then here they come. So here, here's one that I'm thinking of, and I'm not like I've this is I have no information on this at all. But Lincoln Riley's been bringing in all these guys into USC. Gary Bryant could he get pushed out? Could Lincoln Riley not like him? Uh, you know enough to that's a kind of like that kind of guy I could see. You know, not not a Keishon Boutte or someone necessarily, but like you know a that second or third tier guy. That's that's the kind of guy I could see doing. How about that. a Texas wide receiver? I think they're pretty stacked in Texas. One or I mean, two of about, those guys might decide to go. Don't somewhere. do it. Don't say it. Don't Troy O'Leary has like no room on that don't roster. So why not? He can't run right in the He would be behind. A, he'd be behind Hall on Alabama. Instead of being too. fifth on the depth chart, he'd be yeah. twelfth. What are we doing? Right. Right. Good point. There's Good nobody point. that can do what he could do on that roster. Whatever. 
All right. Um, for what it's worth, JoJo, I, I, JoJo Earl has been my top my top fifteen in my rankings since he was a freshman. I still think that he is a, a dynamic. He'll be a dynamic punt returner, slot guy. I think he's going to be the replacement for Slade Bolden there in the slot. All right. All right, Austin. It's your. I mean, this is essentially oh, a segment no. now that people look forward to. Um, <laughs> like, give us. Uh, this is your good cop, your bad cop. But please get the people to do what we need them to do. This is my least favorite, like, 75 seconds of the week, I think. Um, it, this is not fun for me. Um, should I be which, – which cop should I be tonight? See, this bad, is – let's see, let's see bad cop. Let's see the, what the bad cop okay, is. Okay, okay, okay. All right, hold, hold on. Sorry, I had to get ready. I had to, yeah, I had to collect myself. I turned off the screen for anybody that was watching. Um, <laughs> I can't do it. Just go subscribe to all our shit, guys. Um, how, we okay. – if you're watching this on this the YouTube channel right now, this is terrible. This, <laughs> one, now, this is why we can't I compete quit. with the Debbie Royale because you, Gone, you can you, have this, this is just horrible. Come on, Austin. <laughs> Ratings are slipping by games and stuff. We can't even get people to subscribe to our YouTube page, <laughs> to the website, to the podcast channel. They should do all those things. I agree. I think they should do all those things. They should subscribe. To the, they should subscribe to the YouTube channel. I agree. Agreeable cop. Well, they, they if you want to, agree. though. I'm not pressuring. They should write reviews for the show, five stars. And you know what I just learned? Maybe I'm just old now. They have five star reviews on Spotify now. Is that like a brand new thing? So if you listen it to Spotify, like a couple. It happened a couple weeks ago. Okay, yeah, you guys it's don't have an excuse new. anymore. We get a lot of people say, "Oh, I listen on Spotify," so you don't have an excuse anymore. Go do that and go go check out the website, campuscanton.com. Two ninety nine a month, twenty nine ninety nine a year. Why not? Why not? We got a lot of cool stuff going on over there. We just announced a whole damn CFF team yesterday. We got CFF this year. For those who aren't watching the video, Austin is sharpening a machete as he's talking, and I know it's not a verbal threat, but it sure looks like a physical one. <laughs> all right the substance of tonight's show is looking forward to the big 10 uh we've done this with the acc and the sec looking for a, a potential breakout in the in the conference a comeback player and a freshman john as you are our guest we'll start with the breakouts who is your potential breakout player in the big 10 i have a feeling people are going to attack me but that's all right because when I feel comfortable, I go with it. And sometimes I'm wrong, so I'm okay with that. But I like Rakeem Jarrett of Maryland a lot. I'm not giving up on this young man. And very quietly, he had a pretty good season the second half of the year. Now, I know Deontay Demas was injured, so I get that. But I thought Jarrett played much better because I ended up watching too much Maryland because I had Tiger Viola as my quarterback, uh, my third quarterback on a three-quarterback college fantasy football league, so I ended up watching a ton of them here. He's got NFL size 6019. He was a five-star prospect in high school. He was the nation's number two wide receiver coming up, coming out. Kind of shocking that he ended up at Maryland. At least I felt it was shocking. I don't know what everyone else did, you know, for that type of player to end up with the Terrapins at the time. He has been a two-time honorable mention all Big Ten. But when I'm looking at that, there are things that I like about Maryland. If you haven't been paying attention, they're a little bit better than people give them credit for. 
I believe in Coach Mike Loxley. He's three seasons on campus, and I believe Maryland's getting better. Look, they're not an elite program yet. They still have a way to go. But they're playing better football. I mean, sometimes you can watch a team and you just know they're playing better football, even though the victories aren't there yet. Maryland finished 13th in the nation in passing. They averaged over 300 yards per game. 13th in the nation. I don't. If you ask people where, where Maryland finished, I don't think they guessed top 20. They were 13th on a per-game basis. That's incredible. And Tagaviola, believe it or not, no one gives him credit, threw 26 touchdowns and 3,860 yards. That's pretty good, folks. That's not bad production. I love it. All the parts are coming back. He's got the same coach. He's got the same quarterback, the same offensive scheme. Jarrett went 62 for 829 and five touchdowns. I think the narrative was he had a bad freshman year, but it wasn't wide receiver zero, right, Austin? He wasn't that bad. And then he got off to a slow start. He wasn't very good the first month of the season for Maryland. Look at the box scores as the season progressed, especially the last month. I think Demas coming back is good for Jarrett. I want more productive players on the field. I want defenses to have to play and defend other wide receivers. I like Rakeem Jarrett a lot. I think he's got 1,100 yards and 8 to 12 touchdowns this year. Whoa. I'm all over him. That is spicy. I mean, John, I I assume that means that you like Talia Tagovailoa also. And I I mean, he's a player that I've been pretty high on. I mean, are you high on him also? Yeah, college fantasy football, I think he might be my bargain. I would love to get him as my second quarterback. I think I'll get him all over the place. The numbers are there. And he's starting his third year in the system? I mean, (laughs) the production's going to be there. If we just get a 10 15% 15% uptick from Tagaviola, the numbers will be incredible. I, I would like I, I would like to hear I mean Austin, I don't know if you have his potential his ADP in front of you or if you can pull that up quickly just because I'd like to know if he is going in any of our mock drafts pretty highly. If he you know if he is someone who's getting taken late, he could potentially be of value. All right, let's move on here to Matt Bruning. Um, I wonder we're talking about the Big Ten. I wonder what school you will pick from for a potential uh, breakout. You know, there's quite a few schools in the Big Ten, so there's a lot of players to choose from and a lot of people to talk about. I will say, John, really quick, you don't have to be worried about being wrong on this show because the guy right above you is wrong all the time. So it's just kind of what we do here. We we are wrong quite a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's right above, John. You're kind of off to the corner there, Austin, so I wasn't talking about you. Um Obviously, I'm going to go with my Ohio State Buckeyes. I kind of thought Austin might go here, um, so that's why I tried to you already had his name. Him. I know you that's why him. I made sure to put my name on the on him on there first because I I thought you might talk about because you have talked about him a little bit on campus life, and I do agree with you. That being said, me and Felix were the highest on him coming out as a freshman. That's Marvin Harrison Jr. He's just a very good route runner. We already know he has the talent. He came into college as I mentioned as a top tier route runner. 
And now he's been an entire, spent an entire year in that offense. Ryan Day passes 47.9% of the time in neutral situations. And I don't think that changes much this year. I, I don't know that Ohio State's defense is going to be that much better, even with Jim Knowles coming over. They still need to have the players, even with as good a coach as I think Knowles is. So I do think they will still have to pass. And he played a lot more than I expected last year. So I went in and looked at all this stuff. So last year, uh, Chris Olave actually had the most snaps at 711, 561 out wide, 111 in the slot. Then it was JSN, 80 wide, 562 snaps in the slot last year, which I was not expecting, especially with the way they moved JSN around the field. Garrett Wilson came in third. 643, 488 snaps out wide, 107 in the slot. And then it was Marvin Harrison at 345, 212 out wide, only 43 in the slot. I don't know that. I think he's going to be the guy on the other other side of likely Fleming, I think is going to start off the season and JSN stays in the slot. I don't think they push him outside. They'll still move him all over the field and JSN will definitely be the number one in that offense. But I think with what we expect from Harrison, the talent that he has, he'll easily surpass Fleming as the number two target in that offense. And I mean, I mean, CJ Stroud last year, 4,400 passing yards, 48 touchdowns. And admit, admittingly, it's how down I was on him earlier in the season. He got better and better and better. And now he's going technically a third year into this offense. I think realistically the sky's the limit for him and this offense. I think Marvin Harrison is going to have a massive year next year. I, I do I do like Marvin Harrison. It sucks though because he has the same skill set that G. Scott did. And just because G. Scott was, you know, one class behind, you know, all three of those guys were going to be first round draft picks. He got moved to tight end. So uh because of the crowded the crowded uh wide receiver depth start there. So um I, that's I, that's really insulting to Harrison. You think so? I think he's infinitely more dynamic down the field. Yeah. I mean, I'll agree with that part, but I think route running wise, I think G Scott was a really, really good. And I think he was more physical than Harrison as well, but I do agree. He G Scott is not the, the deep threat that Harrison and Harrison. I, I didn't mention it actually had the, the third highest a dot as well out of everybody. Uh, 9.9. So wasn't he really good in the Rose bowl too? Didn't he, he, he was. Well he had a couple. That. He had a when when yeah. when the ball was not going to JSN, it was going yes. to Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Of course, JSN had the day, but Harrison had a good day. I I remember that. So I think it was seventy-one yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I think he had four, five catches uh, in that Rose Bowl game where Utah was playing. You know, it's backup running backs at at cornerback. So, all right, uh, Austin, let's move on here to your um, potential breakout. In, in this class and it I mean you you this player was the number one wide receiver in the class and I think yet a lot of us still had Marvin Harrison ranked uh over this player yeah I would have put Harrison my I mean I know I'm not allowed to say any hot takes on the show but I've I've been saying this offseason and my my big one is that I think Marvin Harrison is the wide receiver one in this class when all is said and done I know Xavier Worthy has this big head start, but I think Harrison's a much more well-rounded player. Um, so I think by by the time draft time comes around, we we feel differently on that. Um, I I took Emeka Buka because I yeah I mean I would have taken Harrison. I think by like week six, Fleming is just an afterthought here. I, I think they've got back to to Buka, uh, JSN, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, am I frozen? 
No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. My screen froze really hard, so I apologize. Um, Agbuka, you know, he was, you know, fifth fiddle or sixth it was, fiddle it was or whatever you want to call him your, this year. Your Marvin Harrison hot take, and your computer didn't know what to do. So, it yeah, I broke my computer. It's okay. Um, he, I mean, he was like one of their big returners last year. I believe he was first in the in the conference in terms of you know uh, average uh, return length, which I think is you know pretty solid for a freshman there at a big school like that. Uh, nine catches on the year, almost two hundred yards. He, you know, notes touchdowns, but I mean, he twenty one point two average. I know it was buoyed by like one or two really long catches. Um, I the thing about him that I, I think compared to the, some of the other guys there, like he's just not an, an excellent athlete. Like he's he's good, but he's not great. So I, I, th- I think he's a slot guy for sure. I don't think he's a boundary guy. And that's why I think by like week six or seven, they'll kick JSN outside. They'll put him in the slot uh, and then put Fleming out the pasture. Um, but I, I really do expect him and Harrison to have 40 plus catches on the year, uh, you know, 750 plus yards and a handful of touchdowns each. Really quick on Austin, Mecca. Uh, Austin, well, can I just point out the fact that Austin is, is, calling for the number one wide receiver in the 2021 class to break out in 2022. So he's going to replace that. Julian Fleming. You're the I'm number just, one guy in his class. And you I'm, just, love I'm just saying, that's, that's I'm why Felix is a little bit better. Cause he's still, he's but, still holding on to that very thin thread. That is Julian <laughs> Fleming. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Mecca where, where I really think that that's a good call. Austin is he was the only one of that wide receiver group that split closer than everybody else. Everybody else was very wide in one way of either being a, uh, a out wide or in the slot. Mecca. Now, granted, he did a con- did get a concussion and missed, I believe, the last three games of the season. But he had fifty four slots out wa- snaps out wide and uh, sixty eight in the slot. So I think he's a guy that they're not afraid to move around, even if they decide to keep uh, JSN in the slot. Chris Matsu, what do you got? I. Love Donovan Edwards. Um, I think he's really good. I think that he can see a split like Hassan Haskins did um, this year. So, you know, last year he was actually really impressive despite being the RB3 on the team. He was had 0.21 EPA per play, uh, an 8.26 receiving market share, catching some really impressive passes. I think he had a game of like 10 catches or nine catches. Um, he led all 2024 power five running backs in that stat. So I was looking at the ADP earlier too. And I, I posed this question to our discord um, that you can get if you're a member at campus.com, $2.99 a month, $2.99 a year. And I basically, I said like, what, what is really the big difference between Shipley and Donovan Edwards, except they're Shipley's going like at the borderline of round one and Donovan Edwards ADP. I saw this and I said, holy shit, slap your grandma. He is going at the beginning please of don't. the third. <laughs> Someone please do and uh, send us the video. No, I'm actually, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> please don't do that. Um, He's going to be in the third, 27th overall. That's crazy value for a guy who is that productive this year. He's going by Jason McClellan. Like, get your shit together, drafters. Come on. I'm really excited for Donald Edwards in 2021. I don't think Ship- him and Shipler are, like, borderline first and like early third apart. So it, is it out of the question yeah, that, he, that he could just, ju- Haskins is going to the NFL, right? Oh yeah. Haskins yeah. Is, yeah Haskins yeah, yeah. is going to the NFL. Do you, do you think it's out of the question that he just replaces Haskins and that they just keep Blake Corm in a one B one B role? I think he's better than Blake Corm. So possibly, I don't know if he'll do it this year, but like, I think Don, 
I really, really like Donovan Edwards. Like, I think he's a really dynamic player, and he's up to 203 or 206. Uh, he's at least over 200, which is a big question for me coming in. So I think he can add a couple more pounds, and like I'm really high on him for 2024. So I, I think there's a chance he's the one operates as 1A. Like, absolutely. I, I don't think Corbin's better than him. So I, I agree with you. He's a little bit bigger and stockier than Corbin. Uh, the West Bloomfield High School product, who's compared on 24-7 to Alvin Kamara. All right, let's move here to the comeback player, the comeback player of the year in the Big Ten. John Lobb, I like the name that you have here, especially for college fantasy football purposes. I took the low-hanging fruit. I was the first one to jump on the outline. To me, it's it's Mohamed Ibrahim of Minnesota without any question. He suffered that ruptured Achilles tendon versus Ohio State in the season opener. He was playing great in that game. I mean, it was before Ohio State figured out their linebackers a little early in the year. Ohio State had some challenges against C.J. Verdell and Mohamed Ibrahim. They fixed that by week four. But Ibrahim was looking great. We're talking about 2020. He was first team all Big Ten with over 1,000 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns. Already on campus, he's had 2,000-yard seasons. He had 1,000 yards as a true freshman in 2018, and then he came back in 2020. What I looked at, the Golden Gophers, if you haven't been watching them, they are a power running game. You think, at least I do, right? You think of P.J. Fleck throwing the ball over the place at Western Michigan. You're thinking of them, you know, producing 300 yards in the year. Last year, the Golden Gophers, now part of it might be Tanner Morgan, but that's another story for another day. But the Gophers ended up averaging 198 yards on the ground and had 27 rushing touchdowns. Their offensive line was monstrous last year. They have a classic Big Ten now. They're not Wisconsin. But the Golden Gophers come at you mean, nasty, and dirty. You better get your helmet on because they're going to hit you. Minnesota's going to hit you. Last year, Kay Thomas, Marquise Irvin, and Trey Potts all rushed for over 500 yards and four touchdowns. That's over 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. Now, Kay Thomas jumped to Kansas, right? So he's already out of there. It's Ibrahim's backfield. I think he's got, you know, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns without question. Yeah, Minnesota bringing that rushing that rushing game um, between Muhammad Abraham and Trayson Potts, I believe, is re- recovered and he is back yes, he's, playing, he's on playing the football. Card. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trayson Potts was very productive in his time uh, re- uh, replacing Muhammad Abraham before he was injured himself. Um, all right, Matt Bruning. I mean, I, I think that you know we could potentially have a. There's a freshman running back out there that could, could still commit to this school, but if he doesn't, Jalen Berger is going to look good in green and white. Specifically, considering what Kenneth Walker did uh, for that team this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't love this one, but I felt like it may because of the coaching and fit is a smart decision. I'm not necessarily worried about um, if anybody else commits there because of Berger already having some experience and being an upperclassman. But him coming to Michigan State, I, I do think it, you can, you know, we, we – 
you can't, we talked a lot about earlier Jer- Jermaine Burton kind of being possible Jamison Williams was this past year for Alabama. I do think Burton can be a Kenneth Walker type rise here uh, for him. He can replicate what Walker did. He he definitely has a lot of speed. He's a little bit elusive, uh, but doesn't really have some of the physicality I think we saw a lot of times out of Walker. Uh, the big key here for me on this, though, is Mel Tucker. I mean, going back to what he did at Colorado with a guy like Philip Lindsay, who ended up making it into the NFL and being a productive back there. He produces great running games, and it benefits the running backs. In Colorado, his neutral run situation was 53% of the time, and last year it was 58%. And in Colorado, his EPA per play was uh, 14 and had a success rate of 44%. Last year, an EPA per play of 21 with a success rate of 46%. They're going to run the ball, and as long as Berger keeps his head in football, doesn't have any more off-field issues, doesn't get kicked off the team, we know they're going to run the ball. They're going to have a good offensive line, and they're going to play run-first football. That's what Michigan State does, what most of the Big Ten does. So he's going to get the ball, and he's going to play. Say what you want. I know there's a lot of people at here specifically at C2C that were not fans of him. But just being in a lot of CFF leagues last year, there were a lot of CFF people who thought he was going to have a huge year with Wisconsin. He was drafted in mostly the second round, if I'm remembering correctly, in most startups. I don't think it's that much of a drop-off going to Michigan State, especially with what Mel Tucker does. So he likely bounces back in a big way. Know that I draft him. I don't know that I, I, I'd expect him to go into the NFL and do what we think Kenneth Walker can do, but I do think he has a good year this year for for, for college production. Well, I mean, we thought that Jalen Berger was going to go back to potentially Rutgers. He's from the New Jersey area. But you look at Michigan State's history. I mean, they feed running backs, and it's been across coaches from Le'Veon Bell to Javon Ringer. I mean, to, uh, to Kenneth Walker last year. I mean, slap your grandma. He could absolutely be – a value for you after his value took the hit that it that that it did when he was surpassed by Braylon Allen on the depth chart last year at Wisconsin. All right, let's uh, Austin. Do do you have a comeback player? Uh, or are you just going to tell us? Tell I us think there's body? three. There's three names that I that I think are just like the three, and everybody else chose them. Um, I will just say. I, I'm really not a fan of drafting a kid who got kicked out of a prior school like that. I feel like that doesn't necessarily work out very well. And that's basically, that's what happened. Well, Jalen Berger was kicked off the team. I don't know if he was kicked out of school or not. So that's um, not something that I generally am attracted to. Um, but the opportunity certainly is there if he ends up taking that starting job. Just throwing that All out right. there. Moxley, okay, Austin's so answer a- is no answer at all. So his, an- his answer was his answer was shit on Matt's pick of Jalen. Well, it's Berger. not Jalen Berger. Austin. Yes, that's my yeah. answer. Actually, <laughs> Austin said pass. Um, my comeback player is Dante Demas, and I really like Demas. I actually thought he was going to go to the NFL if he had stayed healthy this year, and I think he would have been a day three pick. Um, I'm pretty sure he would have gotten drafted, but through his four and a half ish games, twenty eight five oh seven and three a 35.1% weighted dominator and a 2.85 yards per team pass attempt, which are both way above what we're looking for in terms of production wise. He really operated as a wide receiver one there for Maryland through like when he got injured in the Iowa game. I think he can come back and, and post like, I I'm really excited for the Maryland offense the same way John is like, I, th- I think uh Tyvello is going to be a, probably outperform ADP. I think both receivers are going to be productive, but I think Demas is going to come back and post over a thousand yards and probably like 10 touchdowns. Like it, it would not surprise me if both Maryland receivers like 
Jared and, and uh, Demas were top 50 CFF assets. And like, that's a pretty hard thing to do. So a concentrated target share, um, losing the tight end, whose um, name is like incredibly difficult to pronounce um, is I think going to help that. So I like Demas to rebound like really positively and his injury isn't bad where you, I think it's going to ramp up time. So I'm a big Demas fan. Seems like we think that there's a lot of value on this Maryland Terrapins team. And oh, quite yeah. frankly, they have recruited very, very well since Mike Loxley has been there. That just hasn't turned into, you know, big bowl games, big victories. I thought that they were going to beat Ohio State last year, and obviously that didn't turn out to be the case. So, all right, let's move on here to the the, the best segment is potential freshmen that could break out. And, John Lobb, you're starting with uh, – uh, a team that has, I mean, there are three freshmen that I think could be impact players for this team this year. And you've got my number one running back. Um, who do you like to break out in, in the big 10 from uh, as a freshman? So when I look at freshmen, I obviously go straight to the depth charts. And to me, it just sticks out. Penn state has a terrible depth chart and they have a big need in the backfield. So when to me, when you bring in two high-level recruits, Nicholas Singleton, he's my number one, too. So maybe we're on the same page here. Five-star recruit, 6'0", 210 pounds. And Katron, is that how you pronounce it? Am I right? Katron Allen, Penn State, 5'11", 220, four-star recruit. So what we have here is two very good running backs going to the Nittany Lions. So I had to do a little bit of research here. Since Barkley and Miles Sanders have left campus in 2017 and 2018, that Penn State running game has just blown up. It's been absolutely terrible. Jorney Brown, oh boy, did I like him too bad. Jorney Brown, Noah Kane, Kayvon Lee just did not make anything happen for a variety of reasons. Here's what I find interesting. James Franklin, in eight seasons, his first six seasons, he was good. Last two years, Franklin is 11-11. You know why? Can't run the goddamn football. They cannot run the football. You can't be this bad. The previous four seasons, when they had Barkley and Sanders, they were 42-11 and from 2016 and 2019. Now, they had other pieces, and I get all that. But you know what they did well in those seasons? They ran the football. I got to get one of those hats. Run the damn football. I got to buy that hat. I got to find that somewhere on the internet. They must improve this running game. They were bottom 15. Bottom 15 in the nation at rushing. That is, I'm sorry, pathetic for a Big Ten school. You cannot be the bottom 15. That is a joke. They averaged 107.8 yards per game, and they scored only 11 touchdowns. James Franklin's smarter than me. I have these stats. James Franklin's got these stats. And you know what James Franklin is going to say? We've got to run the football. One of these two young men are going to be a star. If I had a bank on it, it's Singleton. But you know what? Allen looks pretty darn good, too. And there's injuries and things happen. I like these two young men. 
one of them to become a significant impact for the Nittany Lions this year. Uh, for what it's worth, I mean, Singleton is my number one running back, and I and I know that the people at the site disagree with me on this, but I actually think that he's in a a tier. I've come to the conclusion that he's that he's he in a tier to 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 himself. Um, just a violent, fast. He's athletic, violent, fast. That's a good way to describe it. Runner. So, um, all right, uh, <laughs> Matt Bruning, yes. you're, you're taking the Rutgers uh, quarterback. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm cheating just a little bit here and taking the redshirt freshman. He was supposed to be in this class reclassified. And that, that is Gavin yes, that is, that is cheating. That is cheating. Yes, you know I asked before the show and I was given permission by both Austin yeah, and you Felix, who, who we both know run everything behind the scenes. So because because they said it was okay, I was able to do it. Uh, I mean, John took the two best in my opinion. Like I don't think you know. Like I thought maybe going Brady Allen quarterback for Purdue, but I don't know if he really gets on the field now that Aiden O'Connell's coming back. Like I didn't really see a whole lot of other players to go with. So, uh, I mean, he is one of the best rushing quarterbacks in this class. He's got good size. Um, he did show a little bit of, of touch and accuracy last year in some of his throws, but I believe he completed less than 50% of his passes. Uh, going to Rutgers, though, I mean, we've seen Greg Schiano. He's building a, a good team, I think, there at Rutgers. He's recruiting well. They had a really good class, I believe, last year. Moxley might be able to tell me that because he all he wanted to do was talk about it when he came into Realius all the time about how good Rutgers' classes were. Uh, but they're, they're building a good team there. Like Schiano, his past success rate the past two years has been at 36%, and he's actually passing the ball more and more. It's gone up from 40 to 43 to 47. 47 last year with, um, I don't remember, I think it's Noah Ver- Dell, if I'm remember, I don't remember, but he was not very good. I think if Wimsack gets the job, he's going to be the starting quarterback for Rutgers this year with his rushing upside alone. If he continues to develop as a passer, he's going to be a very good quarterback for them and for CFF purposes as well. So taking Gavin Wimsack to be a very good freshman this year in the Big Ten. All right. Um, Austin, who you got? This year, Rutgers just to, I just wrote up a thing on them. So they were the 27th ranked recruiting class in the country, sixth in the Big Ten. Uh, last year, they were 39th and ninth in the Big Ten. Uh, they got a lot of big recru- or bigger recruits for them early in this cycle, and then kind of sat there and were surpassed. But it's still, it's still a very good class um, for a program like Rutgers. Um, I chose Ramon Brown. Um, a guy that I, I, I think he's my RB six in the class at this point. Uh, I, I really, really, really like this kid. Uh, about six foot, two hundred five pounds, um, and I—he's he, just a complete package. I think as a running back, you know, he—he's got that really nice frame, kind of that lower center of gravity. I think he can hit two fifteen, two twenty pounds really easily. Um, I think he's got pretty nice long speed. You know, he'll be a low four five guy, which you know he's not the freak that Singleton is, but that's more than good enough. Uh, to be, a, you know, make it to the NFL and, and do some damage there. But, but in the meantime, I think he, he'll do very well in college. I think he moves better than almost any running back in this class. Like, you know, laterally, like he's just a very natural, smooth mover. Um, those are kind of the guys that I get drawn to, um, just out of personal preference. So I really like him in that that standpoint. And I think he's a really, really good pass catcher. Like, mm-hmm. I think he can end up being a top five or so pass catching back in this class. Just very, very natural. Um, it does not fight the ball at all. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's supposed to go to Virginia Tech signing day or the day before signing day. He flipped to Maryland. They lose uh, Fleet Davis going to the NFL. They've got like one or two bodies there. McDonald at the end of last year got got a little bit of run. Uh, they have Isaiah Jacobs, who's related to Josh Jacobs, but they don't have a guy there. 
it wouldn't shock me if, if Ramon Brown, maybe it's a, a, a rotation this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 100 total touches this year or, you know, 80 close to it. Um, and I think he can be a, a, at worst, can be like a four-year guy at Maryland and put up some nice numbers. And at best, I think he can make to the NFL and be, you know, a third or fourth round draft pick, maybe even possibly higher than that. Ramon Brown, a name that you definitely need to pay attention to in those supplemental drafts uh, coming up. All right, Chris Moxley, uh, the name that you've got here, I've actually not heard of yet. And I mean, I'm pretty deep into the freshman. Who is this? (laughs) Who is Bennett, Mr. Nasty Christian? He made this name up. There's no way this is a real person. (laughs) He he is a he is one of two, three stars that are committed to Ohio State. He is. I think the 16th ranked tight end in the country. And he's got a very thin tight end room ahead of him. And he's probably entering the team as the best blocker runs pretty solid routes. And like, he's athletic enough. I think he's a guy who could like really surprise some people. He's a, like, he's a three, star, three, star, three, uh, three star at Ohio state. And I think he'd get on the field. I wanted to, Honestly, this was one of the tougher questions. I was going to put nobody, but I didn't want to be like Austin. Um, so I, I dug deep here. I actually wanted to put another Ohio State guy um, on defense, Sonny Styles, who is the brother of Lorenzo Styles. Uh, he plays like the hybrid, like Isaiah Simmons role. He's 6'4". I think he's already like 205. And I think he's going to really transform that defense with Perry uh, Eliano coming. And like their secondary was a, like rough last year. So I think, you know, I think he's going to have a big impact, but he's on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going with Mr. Nasty himself, Bennett Christian, who's a Chris really Moxley picking a three-star tight end uh, to surpass G. Scott on the tight end depth chart there. You, you should have uh, stuck right. with Styles. Styles is a great call. Mr. Mr. Nasty there. <laughs> he's not going to see a snap. No offense. Boys, let's move through we're, these very quickly. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Yes. Sure. Let's Matt, do it. Matt Bruning is Let's shaking his head here on the radio. Um, it's hey, it's right. a visual medium now, too, my friend. We're live on YouTube, so I can shake my head if I want. All right. Uh, will Penn State, Austin, I'll throw this to you first. Will Penn State be starting two true freshmen in the backfield at some point? And we're not talking about Katron Allen and uh, Nick Singleton. We're talking about Drew Aller and Nick Singleton. Uh, I will predict that Drew Aller uh, starts one game much like Sam Heward did last year. Uh, very kind of end of the season, because I don't think... Uh, Penn State's early season schedule is so brutal. They will be out of the running for everything by week five. And that's not... Like, I, I am a no... I'm a Pitt fan. I, I hate Penn State with passion. Um, but they... I mean, their schedule is just brutal to open the year. Um, so, I, I, but I, so I think they'll just, you know, kind of... Singleton will be in there by week five or six. They'll ride with Clifford. They'll get to the end. They'll be like eight and five, and they'll throw Aller in there for a game. Matt Burning, uh, I mean, you're you're an Aller fan, yeah. Do you see him I am, starting more than one of you? I, I mean, I've said it. Uh, we we talked about it this. I did it on the Drew Aller freshman profile video on the YouTube channel. Now they did move the games around. Ohio State is not early in the season like it was. They were supposed to play Ohio State for oh, week really? six. Yeah, that I, that they uh, moved it. It still shows on the schedule week six, but they just announced it a couple weeks ago. It moved further back in the season, but still, they still get Auburn and Michigan in like a two-week separation on top of some other games, they're likely going to lose both those games with Sean Clifford at quarterback. I do think 
that once they lose a couple games, we will see Aller on the field. Now, I do think it hurts his chances at Ohio State's later in the season because I don't think they throw him out there. for. They have a couple, like, cupcakes in between there before they play Ohio State. I don't know that you want Drew Aller out there against Ohio State, but I do think he starts at some point in time this year, and he, he plays at least three or four games because Sean Clifford's just not in Aller as the future. John Lobb, I'm going to throw the second question to you and Austin because I know Austin's answer to this question. Uh, the question is... Excuse me. Uh, is the back end of round one too high to take Braylon Allen, the phenom uh, Wisconsin freshman running back? Is that too high to to take him uh, in a Debbie draft in a C two C startup? Too is that too high for Braylon Allen? I don't think so, but I'm going to definitely probably be in the minority. I'm a big Braylon Allen guy. What he did at 17 years of age, it's just too impressive for me. I know he's not the most gifted athlete. He's not necessarily the most smooth athlete. I think he has underrated vision. I'll take big boys who hurt people. He just hurts people. (laughs) And when he gets to the second level, no one seems to catch him. I mean, maybe I'm biased. It's a physical, violent game. And I will take the physical, violent back. And I think Braylon Allen can play. So I'm all in on that at that price. And he was that good without having some of those more nuanced skills. Yes. So, yeah. Austin, back around one, too high for Braylon Allen? He's my RB9, so unless you're taking nine running backs in the first round, too high for me. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, <laughs> Let me – Chris, can Moss, I add something on this real quick? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, I won't speak to Braylon Allen himself, but I will say those who say Wisconsin running backs don't catch passes are – don't actually pay attention to the data. So like, let's see Braylon Allen catch a couple passes before we, we anoint him into like that tier of uh, Wisconsin running backs who are actually really, really good, but aren't pass catchers, but might be at the next level. All I'm saying is over the tenure of um, whatever his name is, who just went to Virginia, Virginia tech average running back, their top running back averaged 9.3% market share, which is 70. 70th percentile outcome. That's really good for the top running back on any team. So let's pump the brakes on Wisconsin running backs. Don't catch passes. I want to see it out of Braylon Allen. That's my big pushback. I will say this though. He was 17. If I'm the coaching staff, I'm not making this young man learn pass patterns. He's 17 and trying to manipulate school, girls, lunch schedules, study halls. I mean, let the boy run. I'll figure out pass catching sophomore year with this young man. I want that young man to run, 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 son. You just find the hole. We'll worry about the pass catching later. I agree with you, Chris. Let's see what he does second or third year on campus. Got to love how good he was throughout the season. and he, kind of, um, he, he punctuated his season in the bowl game against uh, Arizona State. All right. Uh, is there, so, Chris, is there something to the fact that Wisconsin just doesn't throw the ball very much, though? I mean, I'm going through, like, Jonathan Taylor had one year with double-digit receptions. Monty Ball had one, two years out of four that he was there, and he was a Heisman finalist. Melvin Gordon, I believe, had one year. I mean, it, it, it's not – I don't know what the, the total market share is, but, I mean, two catches, one catch, uh, eight catches, eight catches. Like, they're – I don't know who's catching what, – what running back is catching these passes, but it's not – like okay. the bell cow guy that we like. Just throwing I, that out there. That's kind of like what I'm saying. Like, hey, running back in the backfield is getting the passes. So oh, yeah. 2020 was Garrett Grosscheck, 22. JT, 2019, uh, 26. 
Gross check, 24. Ogubawale, 24. Ogubawale, 36. And that's just over the tenure of um, Joe Rudolph. So, like, a running back is catching passes. Like, they throw to a running back. You just want to see it out of your bell cow. And I'm not sure they've had one besides JT, who had that 26 reception season. Like, a running back catches passes there. I'm just not sure, like, that they've had a guy who could actually do it. And so I want to see it happen for Braylon Allen the way, same way we saw JT have that 26 reception season. It's like, it's definitely happening. It's just not the guy we want. And I think that's a product of like who those players are. Chris Moxley, let's talk about some guys who actually catch passes, some wide receivers. I want you to rank these big 10 wide receivers in the right order. Marvin Harrison, Rakeem Jarrett, and Parker Washington. We haven't even talked about Parker Washington today. He's also a potential breakout candidate for there for Penn State. Rank those three. Uh, Harrison, Washington, Jarrett, and I like Washington because I think he's the wide receiver one after uh, Dawson declared. And I'm not worried about uh, Mitchell Tinsley very much. So, simple as that. John, John Lobb, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I know he was your breakout, but I think I would take him the third out of these three. It's just a matter of uh, whether I take Harrison or Washington first. How, how would you rank them? Would you have Jarrett number one? I would have Jarrett one. Harrison, too, because of the system with C.J. Stroud. I have to, like, you got to bank on the system at Ohio State. I do like – I debated Washington and Rakeem Jarrett, so I am a Washington guy, but I think Matthew kind of said it. It is Sean Clifford, a quarterback, and then possibly a freshman playing quarterback. So I think there's more risk, you know, with the offense. The passing game might not be there as much. Tough schedule. Austin mentioned it. So I'm going to put Parker Washington third, but I do like him. John Lobb, uh, contributor uh, for Fan Tracks. He's the host of the Draft Seminar Show with Matt Hicks at NFL Draft Bible. You can find him, uh, th- find that show on their YouTube page, Gridiron Scholar 91. Boys, let's give John Lobb a round of applause. Thank you, John. Thank you for coming on with us. Thank you for coming Thank on you, with us. Thank you. Uh, That is going to be our show for tonight. Check out all the content around the campus, the Canton family. Because we went a little long with John, we could not get Kirk Herbstreet out of the green room. So we are going to have to reschedule him, and we will get him rescheduled soon. So for Austin Nace, for Matt Brewing, for Chris Moxley, and for John Lobb, good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second.
second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards. 